Today on the Women Mind the Water podcast, I'm speaking with Romina Baer. Romina is a photography coach and founder of Ocean Snaps. Romina hopes to raise awareness about the ocean by teaching divers how to take engaging underwater photos. The Women Mind the Water podcast engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I am pleased to welcome Romina Baer to the Women Mind the Water Artivist series. Romina learned to dive in Mexico. Later, she managed a dive shop on a remote island in Indonesia. During her years in Indonesia, Romina was inspired by the beauty of the ocean. She was also made aware of the threats facing it. Now living in Germany, Romina has created Ocean Snaps, an online platform to teach the fundamentals of underwater photography. Romina hopes her coaching will help aspiring underwater photographers hone their skills and through their photos, expose others to the beauty and fragility of the ocean. Romina, thank you for joining me on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I look forward to learning more about underwater photography and your experiences diving. Thank you so much for having me, Pam. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Romina, when did you develop an interest in the ocean? So it was actually not until I started scuba diving because I come from an area in Germany that is very industrial. So it's the Ruhr Valley and it's, it's not close by the ocean. So I didn't grow up by the ocean. So it came a little bit later in my life uh, when I started to scuba dive. <laughs> so what got you interested in diving? It's funny because it's actually a coincidence that got me into scuba diving because I was on vacation in Mexico and it was raining all the time. I mean, I was there in the middle of rainy season, so that was a little bit to be expected, but I felt like there was not much to do or to explore on land in like heavy rains. And so I thought if I'm going to get wet anyway, I might as well go underwater. And so I was very naive back at the time. I just walked into a dive shop and I heard about cenotes, you know, it's like this kind of caves in Mexico, very special to the area, very unique also to the area. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I just want to go dive there. And the people at the dive shop were like, okay, but are you certified? I'm like, no, I'm not certified. I just want to dive the cenotes. And they were like, okay, well, you need to take a course first before we can take the diving. And so this is how I actually got started. So apparently those first experiences were a little bit rough. What made it difficult and what made you persevere? Yeah, so I remember clearly I had a lot of trouble on my first dives, even in the pool. So, you know, you do the theory part and then you have some practical parts in the pool first or in shallow water. And then only afterwards you go into the open ocean. And so I remember I was struggling a lot with like a, a certain exercise that is to, to fill and then clear your mask. So basically you're letting in water into your mask and then you need to blow it out again so that you can see again. And I was doing this exercise, but I kept water uh, getting up my nose and it was very uncomfortable. I kept coughing and then I felt like I was drowning even though nothing was happening. And so it was very uncomfortable experience, but somehow I pushed through because I really wanted to get to the open water. And then once we were in the open water, since it was rainy season, also the conditions were not that great. So, you know, it was very, um, the, there was a lot of sand. It was very silty underwater. The visibility was not so great. It was very rough seas. So I also got seasick. I got seasick underwater oh, gosh. <laughs> on the boat. Yeah, 
I kept having the same trouble with the mask clearing. And so I remember it was very, very uncomfortable and I just had to push through it. But the good thing is I knew I really wanted to get my certification because after I was certified, I was either going to go dive the cenotes or another special thing that they have in, in Playa del Carmen in Mexico, where I did my certification, is the bull sharks. And it was the bull shark season. And so I was really excited about either of those dives. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to push through and I can do this. I'm sure I can manage. And so this is actually why I pushed through the whole thing. And I'm so glad that I did because afterwards, my first fun dive, I decided to go with the bull sharks, not the cenotes. And it was an incredible experience, you know, just being surrounded by a couple of wild animals like this underwater. It's just incredible. And it totally made up for all the trouble during that, the course. It's really remarkable. First, because you can't see underwater and then because you're seasick. And then finally, <laughs> the thing that's pushing you through is to go diving with sharks. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was totally worth it. I'm so glad that I pushed through like and. You know, now I'm encouraging anybody who is having trouble in the beginning to just, you know, keep keep going because it's really, really worth it. Right. You you went to Indonesia and ran a dive center. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. I don't know. <laughs> no. So after my travels, at some point I had like the little German man inside my head who was saying, oh, you should go back to Germany and get a real job, you know. <laughs> um, and so that's what I did for a while. But then I went to the Ocean Film Festival and over there I was at the screening of a documentary that's called Racing Extinction. And that documentary really, really touched me. So there was this one scene where um, basically they're talking about shark finning. And so they show how a, sh a shark gets cut off its fins and it's thrown back into the ocean. But because they need to move in order to breathe and survive, without its fins, it can't really move anymore. And so it's left in the ocean to suffocate, you know? And that was such a horrible scene for me. And that just made something with me. I don't know, it really moved me. That in that moment, I decided that I want to go back to the ocean and I want to do something also and help protect not only sharks, but the oceans. Um, and so this is the moment where I decided to, to go back to Indonesia. So um, my partner luckily was also a diving instructor. Um, and so we decided to move back to Indonesia for a while. And then we got the opportunity to, to manage a dive resort on a tiny, tiny little island. That was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so what's it like to dive in Indonesia? What sort of things do you see underwater there? It's fantastic. Like, honestly, I think everybody should do it. It's just really like paradise. So the island we were working on, it's inside the coral triangle. And so you have a huge biodiversity. And so the, the island is called Siladen. It's in the north of uh, Sulawesi in Indonesia. And it's also inside a marine park. It's called the Bunaken Marine Park that consists of five islands. And so you have five, um, not uninhabited, but there's not many people living on the islands. Um, and so all the islands are surrounded by very shallow top reefs. So it's also not only great for scuba divers, but also for snorkelers. You have beautiful corals, you have huge biodiversity, you have lots of animals and marine life. And then after the, the top reefs, it really drops down to hundreds of meters of walls. So you can imagine those really steep, steep walls that are just full of corals, of giant barrel sponges, of soft corals, of gorgonian sea fans. It's really 
teeming with life. It's full of life. And you have big fish. You can have lots of turtles, green turtles, for example, um, hawksbill turtles as well. We had nesting grounds also on the island. So if you're lucky, you can even see some turtle eggs hatching. Really fantastic. Um, underwater, you can see trevallies. You can see snappers, sometimes sharks as well. Um, pilot whales sometimes if you're very lucky, but those mostly from the boat. But lots of uh, small things also, you know, lots of macro life. So all different kinds of shrimps, of nudibranchs. So nudibranchs, I don't know if the listeners will know, are sea slugs. Um, and I never thought that I would say that I'm a fan of slugs, but <laughs> sea slugs are really <laughs> cool. They're a little bit like, um, like Pokemon, I like to say, because they come in all different colors and shapes. And so it's really like, you know, collecting all... <laughs> I mean, in your mind, not actually collecting them <laughs> or on your pictures, right? <laughs> All the different kind of nudibranchs species. So, yeah, you have, I mean, just so many fantastic. Well, things. I can see by the smile on their face and the way your eyes light up, <laughs> how wonderful it is. So I'm going to yes. ask you, maybe not a fair question, but what sort of challenges do divers encounter when diving in Indonesia? Yeah, so, you know, it's not much different than in other places in, in terms of, of challenges. Um, what you can get a little bit more maybe than in other places is currents underwater. So there it's just important to be aware of them and to know how to position yourself and how to behave in currents and always, you know, stay, stay prudent, basically. Um, but other than that, it's really, I mean, sticking, you, as a diver, you should always stick to your safety limits. It's always very important to pay attention to what you're doing because it's not our natural habitat, right? So we're still dependent on air that we take down. So we need to pay attention that we have enough air supply, that we're not staying longer than we're supposed to with the no decompression limit, things like this. But this is no different than in other diving places. So. Okay, so you have to be aware, but now you add yeah. to it taking pictures, which means yes. <laughs> sometimes you get sucked into what you're taking pictures of. So. Yeah. At what point did you get interested in underwater photography? <laughs> so for me, it was actually very quickly. So basically, it was soon after I did my advanced open water qualification. I actually started with videos, not with pictures. So I had a little GoPro and I started to film everything on my dive. Like sometimes I would just leave the camera running for 20 minutes. But then quickly, you know, after a couple of dives, you realize how much video material you actually right. have and that you need to go through it again and edit it and like cut out and maybe, you know, do some color changes and things like this. And this just takes a very, very long time. And back then I knew nothing about editing. Like I had to teach myself the whole thing. And I realized very quickly that the, the material was just piling up on my hard drive without me actually having or taking the time to go through all of it. But I really wanted to share everything that I saw underwater, you know, with my mom, with my grandma, like people who don't go underwater, or who have never been there, like to show them what it's actually like. Um, and so this is when I actually switched to photography, because I figured it will be much quicker to edit one or two pictures than a 20 minute video. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I have no experience diving, but I have snorkeled. And on a few occasions, I've tried to take photos. Several mm -hmm. times I used a disposable camera, and once I used a 35 millimeter camera in a plastic housing. The problem is, is that everything I had was blue. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, besides the color problem, what other things do people typically encounter in trying to take underwater photographs? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good example, Pam. And, you know, the, the being blue pictures, it's one of the most common ones. And 
if if you know a little bit about diving or like if you've been in that situation before you might know that underwater color disappears and so this is why they actually turn out so blue and red is the first color to disappear and the deeper you go the less colors you have and the less light you have available and so it, in underwater photography i found that it really comes down to that like light is the biggest problem most of the time um, and one of the biggest challenges for underwater photographers because you have less natural light underwater and this depends on so many other factors as well and so basically being in this environment that is water makes it much more difficult to take pictures than taking pictures on land um, and so because you have less light underwater you usually need to use an, like an external light source mm. so either a torch or like the flash of your camera or even better, like an external strobe. So strobe is just another word for underwater flash, basically. Right. Uh, that you can use to bring back those colors. In your okay. Pictures. So there's another problem besides the blue uh, mm -hmm. and needing artificial light. Because I uh, take a lot of pictures of wild animals, but I tend to take, or I always take them on land. Mm -hmm. And I know that animals don't stand still. But when you take them on land, typically you know, they move along on the ground and they don't often move upwards, but in the ocean, animals can easily move up and down. So how difficult is it to take photos of animals underwater? That's a very good question, Pam. And, you know, I actually never thought about it that way, but it's true. Like underwater, they can just move in any possible direction. And not only the animals, but also you, because you're also weightless underwater. Right. You're basically like an astronaut in outer space you know you don't have any gravity so it's not only the animal moving but also you <laughs> and so it this is a very big challenge also and here it really comes down to your buoyancy so you really want to make sure before you start taking pictures underwater that your diving skills are that you're really comfortable with your diving skills you know that you don't need to think too much about all the things that you're doing because it's basically just adding up another difficulty right, level, right. let's put it like this. Um, and so I think this is a, um, a big difficulty for beginners, especially. So make sure you have good buoyancy. You can do um, exercises for that on every dive. Um, and then it also really helps to pick some subjects that are maybe not so fast moving. So maybe, you know, not <laughs> a, a fast sweet lip fish or a, a fast moving shark or something, but to start with subjects that are a little bit more stationary or slower. Like, for example, the nudibranchs or sea slugs, you know, they mm -hmm. tend to move very slow, even underwater. Um, and so they are a very good subject to practice on because there you can really take your time. Yeah, and take it easy. And um, it's really important also that you don't just like lie down on the reef or even on the sand just to take a picture, but that you learn to control your buoyancy with your breath and your BCD. Um, in order to, to keep yourself maybe not completely still, but to move very slowly. Um, and that really helps. I never really thought about that. But yeah, you are moving too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the most common mistakes that people make in taking photographs underwater? Yeah, so I think one of the first one is to start too early. So usually when you learn how to dive, you get very excited about it because it's this completely new world that you're entering. And obviously you want to document all of it. Um, and so it's, you know, easy to just pick up a camera and start taking pictures. But as you said, you should really pay attention also to, to what you're doing first, because there's already so many things. Um, and so I recommend, you know, first getting comfortable with your diving skills and not start in the first few dives already to bring down a camera. 
Um, then another thing that is uh, a common mistake is basically to be too fast or too impatient. Um, if you want to take really good pictures underwater, it really helps to take your time, to take it slow, to get to know the subject maybe a little bit, and you know to to look for this really good photo opportunity and not just like to rush in, take a shot, and then rush on to the next subject, but like take it easy and maybe also try to spend a little bit of time with the subject before moving on. All right. So it'd be great if you'd share some photographs and comment on what makes them successful or point out the mistakes that might have been avoided. Yes, for sure. So I have brought this first picture here. Um, so maybe to explain or describe a little bit to the listeners as well. So this is a nudibranch. This is the Tamja nudibranch. Um, and so on this picture, we can see it's, um, I mean, it's, it's an okay picture. The, um, it's, it's in focus. So that's already a good point. Uh, but other than that, the composition is not very engaging. And what we also tend to do underwater is to just point our camera downwards. So this is like the natural position for your body. If you're, um, if you imagine that you're scuba diving in a horizontal position, your head will automatically be tilted downwards. And so naturally, when you start to take pictures, this is also the first position that we start taking pictures in. in. So taking from the top, pointing downwards. But from a photography uh, perspective, this is not very engaging um, composition or um, angle, let's put it this way, most of the time. And then uh, other than that, also on this picture, we can see that there's a lot of grains of sand that I have not edited out on this one here on purpose. Um, so you can see this is a little bit disturbing as well. It's not too bad on this one. Sometimes it gets way worse. Backscatter is also a, a very common problem. And the, um, the coral where the nudie branch is crawling on is very bright and it's very, it looks very cluttered as well. So it's not really adding anything to my image either. this perspective as well. I have those other pictures. So here on one of them, you can see the Chromodorus koi and the other one is the Chromodorus villani. So two fairly common nudibranchs. Um, and you can see when you really get down on the eye level of them or basically on the level of the animal, you can create a perspective that's really um, where the composition is much more drawing the viewer in. Okay. So can you tell me, is there a particular photograph that's special that you're proud of and what's special about the photo <laughs> yeah so this I find really difficult because this for me is always when when my imposter syndrome also sets in. right so it's not only new photographers who get it it's also <laughs> older photographers who get it um, but um, here I chose a picture that is um, it's also a nudibranch so this is a flabellina nudibranch and, you know, I, I think it connects well to the other pictures that we've just discussed, as in the nudibranchs are, are great subjects also for beginners to take their time. 
And so on this picture here, I have a Flabellina nudibranch. And what makes the Flabellina special is their serrata, so-called, on the back. So you can see it has like all those, it looks almost like hairs or feathers that it has growing on its back. But it's actually like an organism through which the nudibranch can breathe, but it's also used for their self-defense. So just at the tip, they have tiny little spines, so to say, with which they can um, defend themselves as well. And so why I think this is a better image than the others, for example, is because it has a certain dynamic in it. So you can see the nudibranch here is in a different position. And this you can witness when you're really patient. So it also comes down to when you find a subject, sometimes it will not be in the best position, especially nudibranchs. They're usually crawling somewhere on the bottom or on the reef. So, you know, the background can be very disturbing. But if you take the time and you follow it for a little bit or you give it a little bit of time and you observe also the environment, sometimes they will go into a better position. Please never, never move a subject yourself. We don't want to touch anything underwater. But by just by being with the animal and following it and seeing what it naturally does, you can create better images like this. So you can wait for a special moment like this. And when the, the nudies do those, it always reminds me of horses that kind of like get onto the, their back legs and really just show all their beauty. And so here, the, the serata are basically just swaying in the ocean current. And it's a moment where you can really beautifully see those, those um, yeah, characteristics of the nudibranchs. These are wonderful pointers. And you are, I can tell you are a wonderful coach and an enthusiastic <laughs> dive master. Um, so I'm going to ask you, have you noticed uh, in the pictures that you've uh, had the, either from the people you're teaching or that you've seen online that people are documenting uh, changes in the ocean and is there anything particular that concerns you yes um, so not only in, in other photographers or pictures but also I've heard from other divers you know who've been diving much much longer than I have for example um, and so yeah there's a lot of things that concern me to be honest for like regarding the health of our oceans because our oceans are under a lot of threat um plastic is obviously one of the the most common most obvious um things or most obvious uh, threats that there's much more plastics in the oceans and you know while living in indonesia we could also see that on a daily basis it's really horrifying how much uh, plastic gets washed into our oceans um but I think a lot of issues also connected to climate change. So ocean acidification, for example, which causes coral bleaching. Then there's um, overfishing as well. So there's like the fish stock is really depleting. There's much, much less sharks in the ocean nowadays than there were just a couple of years ago. Like stuck, uh, sh shark um, numbers have really depleted horrifically. It's, it's ah, I don't know, it's terrifying. Um, and so there's unfortunately a lot of things that are threatening our oceans. And I think this is why it's so important that we really protect it. So before I end the, before I end the interview, what kind of things can you suggest that people can do to make a positive difference for the ocean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of things that we can do, even if we don't realize it. And as divers or underwater photographers or just people loving the ocean, I think it's really good that we share our love with anybody that we meet and, and try to inspire others also, you know, to discover our oceans. 
because there's so many wonderful things underwater that we might have no idea about yet, that we haven't seen yet. I mean, not, so few of our oceans have actually been, been discovered yet um, or explored. And so it's, I think it's important to share that passion with other people, to inspire them, to learn more, because if people fall in love with the oceans, they will also help protect them. And yeah, I think this is uh, one of the, the, the biggest things. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm so glad to have you on, because I think we're both trying to do that, you with your photography <laughs> and me with the podcast. So I'm really grateful for you to you for being on the Women Mind the Water podcast. It has been great to hear from someone who has spent considerable time underwater and who's helping to document the world below the surface. Thank you, Pam. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Romina Baer for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water podcast, on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and on other sites such as Spotify and Stitcher. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson. Thank you for listening. Romina, you said so many wonderful things. I, I don't know if I'm going to uh, edit anything out. But <laughs> Thank you, Pam. I, I wanted to uh, bring up a couple of things that you were talking about. Have you mm -hmm. looked at any of the podcasts on, on my site? Yes. All right. Did you, I have to look up her name now because I've done so many. Uh, <laughs> where is she? Oh, if you haven't seen it, watch the one Polly Dawson. Okay. Um, she is an underwater photographer in Mexico. She's a mm -hmm. diver. Uh, she's actually from England. Um, and she takes underwater photographs in the cenotes and is, uh, was the one that did uh, mermaids. Amazing. Yeah. Mermaid pr proposal. So she's uh, really interesting. And her story about how she got involved in diving Amazing. is wonderful. Yeah. And do you know Nina Rossiter? Yes. Yes. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, she's uh, she, uh, because uh, Nina is very interested in supporting different um, small organizations. And mm -hmm. apparently there's the Stop the uh, Stop the Finning. Stop Finning, yeah. Yeah, in Europe. Yeah. So, well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great. Oh, I completely forgot to say about the additional training that I have if listeners are interested. Um, I, I mentioned that. What was the additional training? That, like if people want to learn more about underwater photography, I have a free training that they can sign up to. Okay. Well, um, what you can do is just send something to me. You notice from my uh, website that mm -hmm. you'll get a page that's all your own. Yeah. I'll have links to your site and I can mm -hmm. add that information okay. for you to it. Yeah. Um, 
the the pictures that you sent if you mm-hmm. could just tell me the order they are yes. so i insert them in the right yeah. place yeah that yeah. would be wonderful of course yes i will do that and when i get it up on the site i will let you know and then mm-hmm. i will let you know again when it goes up on the smithsonian site so that yes. you can share that with everybody and Perfect. put it up on your website and yeah. um we'll have interactive links That's um, great yeah i think yeah, it's wonderful what you're doing Thank you. I think it's wonderful what you're doing, Pam. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this was really great. It's my pleasure. And I'm always amazed at the the women that I talk to. I mean, uh, how you got interested in diving, it just was like, well, I'm over here in Mexico. I'll try this. And then to, yeah. <laughs> I, for me, it was trying to clear my ears. So that's mm-hmm. why I never became a yeah. diver. I just, it was I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I'm passionate about the ocean. Um, I'm more of a surface kind of gal watching Mm -hmm. for the, the whales and, um, yeah, yeah. But you bring me underwater and you give me the enthusiasm that goes, wow, this is really neat. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the hours of under uh, your GoPro, but I know what you're saying (laughs) about, um, all the the hours and hours of video that you never look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean it. it I mean, unless, it depends on the person, also, right? Because there's people who really love editing, and for me, it's something that I do it, but I'm not super passionate about editing. For me, it's more about taking the picture that gives me more fun and pleasure, you know? Right. So it's a, in in the moment. So one last yeah. question for you. Yeah. You said when you were working on your master's degree what did you what do you have a degree in I did a bachelor's in international relations and a master in media and communication management all right well yeah we all go on interesting paths because yeah. original originally my my BA is in psychology but I was interested in animal behavior oh, and wow. I have two master's degrees and one is in biology and one is in natural resource science and then I wow, ended up amazing then I ended up with a degree in uh, leadership and change oh wow uh, so you just don't <laughs> Quite know a riot as well. yeah right <laughs> yeah and amazing. if I had to go back and do it again I'd probably go a totally different route so yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> anyway but that's what's so exciting <laughs> right it was a pleasure meeting you. Please stay in touch. Um, uh, let me know about the pictures and we'll go from there. Yes. Thank you so much, Pam. It was All a right. pleasure for me too. Yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>